You need winners? Let the sports advisor show you how to make money. General Manager Al DeMarco, a former sports reporter and contributor on Fox Sports, MSNBC, and Comcast Sports TV, brings over 25 years of handicapping experience to the table. CEO Steve Budin, the author of Bets, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, is the man responsible for creating the sports betting industry. Together, they are the Sports Advisors, your number one source for winners. The NFL season quickly winding down as we approach week number 14. Four big games we're going to break down. Hi, everyone. Al DeMarco here along with Steve Budin. We've been doing this countdown to kickoff show for 20-some years. And, of course, we (laughs) – what are you laughing about? Hey, It was like 20 years just this season, but okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) make sure you subscribe to the channel right down there so you don't miss another episode because yes it does seem like an eternity but all you've got to do is click on that little button to subscribe and you'll be alerted when we've got our latest episode posted and of course you'll also be alerted when i do the daily video reports and they seem like an eternity too let me tell you but uh listen steve you know everything we always talk about is cyclical when it comes to gambling the underdogs have been rolling the roost all season long but last week the favorites actually took uh, advantage of some of the easier numbers we've seen posted here of late. But still on the season, the dogs are 14 games uh, over 500. But in reality, we're talking about like a 7% margin on the season, which is so inconsequential. Especially if you're not betting every dog on the board versus every favorite on the board, which no one does. Who could afford to do that, right? So at the end of the day, if you bet like you and me, you're looking for that one game. And if you are a favorite better, even in an underdog climate, you still need to just find that one favorite that you think is the best opportunity on the board. And there's been plenty of room week in and week out to do that. If you're an underdog better, then again, you just need to find that one dog on the board that fits your system. Uh, I don't really recommend that dog bettors venture over to the favorite side or favorite bettors venture down to the dog side. I think you have to recognize who you are as a gambler, do what you do, and fit that into the season. There's plenty of room when you use that uh, uh, mentality of surround and pound that we've talked about all year. Find that one game and bet it. Basic human nature dictates, and I think gamblers naturally gravitate toward the favorites. Now, as a former bookmaker, the guy who created the offshore sportsbook industry some 15, 18 years ago, did you, when it come to setting, when it came to setting the lines, did you take advantage of that? Well, I think it happens naturally. So when, especially when we talk about the NFL and lines are coming out Sunday night for the following Sunday. So you could, you could literally, if you're, if you're willing to move that, and remember when we started in this business, there wasn't a centralized line like there is now that everybody uses almost like the stock market, regardless of their own personal action. You actually came out with a line and you moved it based on your customer base. So you could have a, you know, a book somewhere in Miami where the Dolphins are two points high than that book in New York on the same game because the customers in Miami tend to play the Dolphins, right? So the, the theory is, is that when gamblers come in heavy, you know, on a favorite, a certain favorite that they're in love with, that by the time next Sunday rolls around a week later after the lines are posted, that that line is going to move based on that supply and demand chain. So I think it kind of happens naturally. In, in sports like basketball, it's quicker. So there you can really take advantage 
range of lines because they literally you're gonna you're gonna they're gonna come out at two three o'clock in the afternoon for an eight o'clock game so there's much less time for books to sharpen it okay guys i can tell you right now the teams that have done best this year in terms of making you money if you rode them relentlessly the Bengals and the giants both nine and three against the spread the lions have reeled off five straight covers and they're eight and four on the season versus the odds makers the panthers who would have guessed it, or have covered three straight and are on a five and one ATS roll on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, two teams that you never would have thought, the Rams and the Bucks, both three, eight and one versus number. And it just shows you teams that were great a year ago don't necessarily deliver at the cashier's window the following year. Again, everything is cyclical. So with that being said, let's talk about one of those teams that is on a red hot run, and that would be the Detroit Lions, who are at home this Sunday, minus the two and a half points against the Minnesota Vikings. Both teams coming off wins. The Lions, of course, Steve, have won four of their last five. You have loved the Lions this season. I'm going to throw this in your corner first. Are you backing Dan Campbell's spot again in revenge? Right, it's almost like a setup because as much as I've loved the Lions, I really haven't been convinced about Minnesota maybe beaten a little bit into submission after they keep winning close game, you know, after close game. Uh, look, they were life and death, Minnesota, to beat the Jets, who I really thought should have won that game. Uh, the Vikings' tendency to always be involved in these close games, I think, has to bite them in the ass one of these weeks. This could be the week. Detroit's coming off a monster offensive game drop. Uh, Goff threw for 340 yards. He had a couple of touchdowns, no interceptions. But look, out! I think the main factor here is neither one of these teams play any defense. So it's going to come down to whose offense you trust more. Obviously, I, I shade the over a little bit more than the under. But in talking about the side, uh, whose offense do you trust more? I like Detroit's offense more. Uh, I'm going to go with the Lions here to get the cover. And let's go back in time. If you go and revisit the week three game at Minnesota. That was a game that the Lions blew a 10-point lead with about eight minutes to play because Dan Campbell, who perhaps is more maybe the most uber-aggressive coach when it comes to his play calling in the NFL, he made a really boneheaded play when he went for a 54-yard field goal on a fourth-and-four situation with a minute 14 to play with his team up 24-21. His kicker missed it. That gave the Vikings the ball on their own 44-yard line. They scored the game-winning touchdown with on three plays later with 45 seconds to play. It was just a ridiculous play where he could have played it conservatively uh, and went Punted the ball and let his defense take the chance, pinning the Vikings deep in their own territory. But, you know, in that game, four times he went for it on fourth down. It, it was just a strange, even as some of his players were questioning the call. But as they said after the game, hey, he's the coach, you know, and you, you roll the dice. And sometimes the dice definitely comes up snake eyes. And that time it did for him. So I'm going to with you, though, I'm going to go with the Lions here because I think the key here with Detroit is. Some of the offensive playmakers around Jared Goff, who had a big game against Jacksonville last week, 31 for 43 and 40 yards and two touchdowns where the Lions scored on their first eight offensive possessions. They are healthy, particularly DeAndre Swift, who matched a season high with 18 touches. 
Minnesota has been living on the edge. I backed the Vikings last week when you were on the Jets, and I know you're no Minnesota fan. In fact, I think if we could go back last week and take a snippet, you wanted to have nothing to do with any more Vikings games for the rest of the season. And that's why we are. Yeah, I know. That's that's exactly why I picked this game first to talk about today, just to give you a little pain in the ass. But, yeah, but I'm with you. I'm going to go with uh, Detroit first. Uh, as well but you know it's kind of interesting here the lions are they're five and seven and they're actually in the wild card hut because they've got the jets next week and then three losing teams and the panthers the bears and the packers to close out the season so who knows i mean this is an offense that's cranked out 25 or more points in four straight games and that's the first time it's happened since 2012 so hey i'll go with them too what the hell sooner or later you know you gotta ride the team that's actually putting some points on the board and they're at home Next up is going to be Philadelphia minus the seven at the New York Giants. And what a full job here lately by the Giants. Yeah, they started out the season, right? Uh, winning seven out of their first nine, hyping up the New York town and Jersey for that matter. Uh, but you're right, it's been all downhill from there. Uh, they're now trying to limp into the playoffs. But Al, it's their defense, right, that looks shot to me. And that's not going to fare well against who I feel is the NFL MVP, uh, Jalen Hurts, and this Eagle team who own the best record in the NFL. They have rightful Super Bowl aspirations. They're going to come into this game motivated. Uh, But, uh, you know, you look deeper into into the stats, and it shows you that the Eagles are anything but reliable on the road for gamblers. They may be unbeaten straight up, but they're only one in four versus the line. And remember... Remember, Hertz had one of his worst games at the Meadowlands last season. He had three picks in that windy conditions, and he lost that game 13-7. to uh, The G-Men have only lost three times versus uh, the points this season, so the question is... Is seven points too many to give them? And that's a good question. I say no. I'll take the Eagles minus the points. They're the better team. I agree with you. They're the better team, and certainly the Giants, a team that uh, is one, three, and one straight up in their last five games. They're in a troubling situation. The only thing that worries me here, the Eagles, who are coming off two big home wins, they stepped up and outscored the Packers and uh uh, I was going to say Brett Favre. Oh, my goodness. Aaron Rodgers in that 40 to 33 game. And then last week, even though the Titans came in and everybody, I'll tell you, everybody and their brother liked the Titans. I don't know why, but they just thumped Tennessee 35 to 10. And it was a big payback game for Brown. But this could be maybe a letdown situation. I like the Eagles, too, but I think a better way to do it is to play Philadelphia in a two-team seven-point teaser because that number, again, I love taking favorites where the margin is between six and ten points because then I'm taking them right down to a field goal or less. And if you look at Philadelphia this year, if you had played Philadelphia in a two-team seven-point teaser this season, they are 11-1. and The only time you would have lost – is the only game they lost against Washington. So I would hook Philadelphia up in another with another team in a teaser. And that's how I would advocate playing the Eagles in this game. And listen, I'm a lifelong Eagles fan. So this is a tough game. I'm just going to watch as a fan. I have no real opinion on the side. I lean a little toward Philly, but putting them in the teaser. I love Philadelphia. I would not, however, a lot of people will say, well, why wouldn't you take the Giants plus the 14 points? I played more than my share of teasers into 25 years I never like taking 
dogs and making them bigger dogs because sometimes dogs are simply dogs with fleas. And I don't care how many points you want to give them. And I think you're laughing, but uh, yeah, I think you probably run into that too more than a few times. Well, you have to ask yourself, could you see, you know, Philadelphia losing this game? The answer is probably no. But could you see them blowing out the job? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of like the scenario that I always ask myself in that. And I much I always feel much more comfortable in that situation than going the other way, going, oh, can I see that team losing by more than 14 points? I don't know. That's like almost a double negative in a sentence. I, I, I just don't even want to play with that one in, in my mind. Steve, this next game, we've got a good one, at least on one side of the equation, a team that is surging, and that would be Cincinnati. But taking on an opponent in what has been a one-sided series because the Cleveland Browns have owned the Bengals of late, and especially Joe Burrow. Now, as the season winds down here, and everybody always likes to say, well, who do you think is going to get to the Super Bowl? I always look for one of two type of teams, a team that starts fast, kind of slumps a little bit and then surges towards the end or a team that starts off slow, but starts climbing that hill as the playoffs approach. The first team, a good example, maybe the Buffalo Bills, gangbusters at the start of the season, then definitely hit a little bit of a tailspin, but may have come out of it and may pull out here as the season unwinds. Or the second team, definitely Cincinnati, because the Bengals are hot and we saw how dominant they were because they really outplayed the Kansas City Chiefs last week. They did. That's a big win for them, uh, sweeping the series. Uh, look, I, you know, I, you, you want the team that's playing their best football going into the postseason. The next four to five weeks will have a lot to do with that. I think Cincinnati qualifies as a team that's red hot right now. They have the pedigree. Uh, they, they, they certainly are a team that people thought coming into this season would improve off of last year and be able to get to that final mountaintop. I think the first three weeks, they kind of dealt with a hangover. Uh, they got out of that and started playing some real good football. I think one of the issues with Cleveland when they play Cincinnati is that they always play Cincinnati tough because this is their de facto Super Bowl. This is their big game. It's the Battle of Ohio. They don't have big postseason aspirations many times throughout the years, but they do get up for this game and being a defensive team, there's nothing like motivation to add a little pep to your step. Uh, but to me, regardless of all that, this game's not going to be close. Bengals are playing too good. Uh, Browns have no offense at all, at all. All their points came on defense last week. There's no chance they're going to keep up with Cincinnati. Uh, the Bengals have covered four out of the last six in the series. I do believe this is a blowout. I'm going to go with the Bengals here. And the Bengals are on a nice roll. I mean, six and one, including four in a row. The last three, very impressive. 37-30 at Pittsburgh, 20-16 to at Tennessee, a game in which everybody was on the Titans. And then, of course, 27-24 at home against the Chiefs last week. Now they look to avenge that only loss in that seven-game stretch, and that was the 32-13 beatdown they suffered at Cleveland on Halloween night. And, yes, it was every bit as frightful as you would imagine on Halloween. Joe Burrow. 0-4 lifetime against the Browns. He was sacked five times in that game at Cleveland. The Bengals offense only 229 total yards in that game. Now, Jamar Chase, who came back from the hip injury last week against the Chiefs, did not play against the Browns in that first game. But really, the two problems for Cincinnati in that game, one, the offensive line didn't offer 
Burrow any protection. And two, the defense couldn't get off the field. I mean, Jacoby Brissett tore them up 17 for 22, 278 yards. And then Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for 34 carries and 143 yards. But now you got Deshaun Watson, the quarterback. And after some 700 days without taking a snap in a regular season game, the rust was evident last week against Texas, 12 for 22, 121 yards and one interception. And that was against perhaps the worst defense in the NFL. Cincinnati, significantly better. And you've got a Bengals team that is just printing money in Vegas. Nine and one ATS roll this season, 17 and three ATS roll going back to last year. I'm with you. I think you take Cincinnati and FYI, Here's your free teaser. Uh, the Bengals this season are 10 and 2 if you put them in the teasers. I think Cincinnati wins this game like you. And rather than play them straight up, ding, 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 you can take Cincinnati in a two team seven point teaser. You can take the Bengals and make them a one point underdog. And hell, if you want to, tease them with Philadelphia. I, I think that's even a better way to go because I think they're going to win, but there's a little insurance for you. So that's the way I would play it. And that brings us to our final game, and it's going to be the Miami-LA Chargers game. Now, two weeks ago, I had my best bet on the Dolphins at home against the Houston Texans. They jumped out to the big lead. They were a 14-point favorite, and then I had to hold on for dear life when they won 30-15. to 15. But then last week here on the show, when they were going to San Francisco, I said that, you know, this was a different team. And you, of course, are in Miami because – the Dolphins at home give up an average of about 15 and a half points a game. But on the road, they give up a little over 32 points a game. And during their five-game winning streak, they beat a bunch of cream puffs. Last week, they go to San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt at the end of the first quarter. Mr. Irrelevant, the guy that was the last pick in the draft a couple of years ago, Brock Purdy has to come in. He quarterbacks the final three quarters. And what happens? The team that gives up almost 33 points a game on the road gives up 33, and they lose 33 to 17. Now the Dolphins on the road again. They're a three-point favorite against the Chargers. Let me get your opinion first, because you have been pretty much on the money this year involving the Dolphins. Of course, you get to see them all the time, too. Well, they're here in my backyard, and I deal with a lot of teal. You know, people, when they after they win, you can see it all over town, people in that ridiculous color, which I don't even understand why that's allowed for a football team. But anyway, let's just move on from the color thing. Look, I, you know, I believe in Miami. I do in certain scenarios. And like you said, you know, they're a Jekyll and Hyde team home to road, right? And then the other thing I would say is they're also a much better team when two is healthy. I don't think he was healthy last week. He's certainly not healthy now. He's dealing with bad ankle problems. Uh, you mentioned it. Um, this was a defense that allowed the San Francisco backup Purdy, uh, you know, who, like you said, was chosen last in the draft. Not a great player. He completed 25 of 37, 210 yards, pair of touchdowns, only one interception. Look, um, two is going to play like he did versus San Francisco hurt. And um, and that's not going to be good for Miami. Uh, Los Angeles hasn't been great either, Al. They've lost three or four. They're scrambling for a wild card slot. But I'm still going to go against Miami on the road with a limping quarterback. I'm going to um, take the points here. And, guys, we are recording this show on Wednesday morning. So, obviously, as Steve said, you've got to be aware of what Tua's condition is as we get closer to Sunday's game. Now, on the plus side for Miami, 
the Chargers defense is not anywhere near San Francisco's because where San Francisco had a great defense and, and tops in the NFL, this Chargers defense sucks. I mean, they are 30th in the league in points allowed, 25.8 points a game, 25th in yards allowed per game at 372. So this is a different animal that the Dolphins are going to be facing here. But what the Chargers do have is an offense that can definitely crank up the points with Justin Hebert. So you got a Miami uh, defense last week that couldn't get off the field. Time of possession for the 49ers was 40 minutes and 34 seconds compared to 1926 for Miami. The 49ers, even with a essentially a third string quarterback seeing his first extensive NFL regular season action, San Francisco ran 79 plays. The Dolphins only had 45. And Tua, not only not 100% healthy, but his starting right tackle was out, and now he's on injured reserve. His starting left tackle, Armstead, who has been in and out of the lineup all season long, didn't play. Who knows if he's going to be available this week? This is a really difficult uh, game. And yet, Miami's a three-point favorite. I don't know. I, I lean a little toward the Chargers in this particular spot, again, because they are going to put points on the board. I was even looking at the over here, perhaps at 52. I don't think the Chargers are going to be able to stop Miami either. So, again, I lean a little toward the Chargers in this contest, but I think the injury report could be the deciding factor as we get closer to game time. And, Steve, listen, this wraps up this week's show, but – you told an interesting joke right before we came on. Do you want to? I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just, you know, wanted. I asked our, our cameraman if if he knew who the 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 most popular guy at the nudist colony was. To which he said no. And I said it's the guy that can bring you a cup of coffee in each hand and still carry over ten donuts. So there you go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love that one. But and you know, I, I yeah, people are out there going. I think they figured it out by now. But anyway, <laughs> listen, that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, we will be here next week as we continue to break down all your NFL action again. Subscribe to the channel down here below. For Steve Budin, I'm Al DeMarco, and we will catch you next week as we continue to count down this NFL season. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.